The latest on Ohio State transfer wide receiver Caleb Brown. Do the Hawkeyes have a chance? We'll break it down with the main man on the site, 24-7 Sports David Eichel, today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, hit that subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Well, the portal continues to be the biggest conversation piece here as we make our way through the month of May. A lot going on right now. Caleb Brown finishing up his visit at the University of Iowa. We'll get the latest on that as we bring in David Eichold from HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports. A lot of great insight on that. A little basketball news, plenty to get into here with David Eichold. Let's break things down. And before we get into things in our interview with David Eichold, I want to start with this. So yesterday on the podcast, and you every day or certainly know about this, I, I had a mini freakout, not a major one. Look, I, I have major freakouts from time to time. I think if you've been with us every single day, you know what it's like. But I freaked out a little bit on Fran and the Iowa basketball staff about the report out there that Grant Nelson, the transfer from North Dakota State, had not heard from Iowa. There was a list that came out yesterday of some 25 schools. Iowa was not amongst them. Now, the likelihood that Grant Nelson is going to be an Iowa Hawkeye is incredibly thin. Look, Iowa can sell a bunch of different things. Success in the Big Ten of what they've done over the last five, ten years. Not NCAA tournament success, I get that. But you can sell that part of it. What they've done with big guys from Luca Garza to the Murrays and on and on and on. Even Philip Robracha this year and what he was able to bring to the table. You can sell those things. But I felt it was coaching malpractice that Iowa was not one of the first schools to reach out. Grant Nelson has an opportunity to go on to the NBA draft. Most people project him as a second rounder. That's why he's thinking about transferring somewhere, maybe giving himself a certainly and step up in competition coming from the Summit League and moving up to whatever major conference he ends up at, but also the ability to make a little bit of money here and eventually become a first-round NBA draft pick. When people talk about Grant Nelson as a prospect, one thing talking to some people that followed the Summit League a little bit closer than I do, very talented and maybe even more talented than anybody in the league. Yeah, Max Amos, who's on his way now to Texas for more Roberts, played in that league. Remember him a couple of years ago, leading the 15th seed, Oral Roberts, to the Sweet 16. We know how good that dude is. And people felt that he, at least as an NBA prospect, had a higher upside than Amos. But he always left you wanting a little bit more. Sounds like an Iowa Hawkeye player, doesn't he? That aside. Well, the news comes out today that Iowa has reached out to him. So, an apology? Slow down? Sometimes I have a little bit of overreaction. It happens from time to time. It just continues to drive me up the wall. As Iowa has two open scholarships in basketball and a roster that frankly isn't very good. Let's be honest. This basketball roster with the four incoming freshmen, one transfer candidate right now and Ben Cricky who comes in from the Missouri Valley Conference of Valpo, who is an awful Valpo team. Put up good numbers, did it on a bad team. A starting lineup 
comprised of a sophomore that barely played as a true freshman, a point guard, and DeSante Bowen. The two-guard and Tony Perkins that when he's right, he's as good as anybody. When he's not, he can be awful. Pat, Patrick McCaffrey, that at best, his career has been inconsistent. Peyton Sanford, really good, and I'm excited about him. And then the aforementioned Ben Cricky. That's your starting lineup. Then you're talking about four freshmen off the bench, a couple other pieces. It's concerning. And when you have two open scholarships, and when you have an ability to sell a lot of good things at Iowa, that's where the frustration lies. I understand. Bram McCaffrey at this point in time, he is not a guy that wants to go in, and he is not going to be a guy that says, all right, our whole team is getting X. Whatever the figure is from NIL, from the Hawkeye Swarm, whatever that number is, he is not somebody that says transfer player is going to get two, three, four times that number. It's just not the way that he operates. It's just not realistic that that's the way it's going to go. And can it be frustrating as a fan? Absolutely. It can be frustrating, but it's also the reality. It's his program, and he can run it however he likes, and he is not of the belief that that is a way to build a culture inside your program of one guy getting a whole lot more than what everybody else is getting. Well, it's Iowa behind. It sets them behind most everybody, and not just the Blue Bloods, not just the Dukes and the Carolinas and the Kentuckys of the world, but also the Villanovas and the Creightons of the world that don't have football to worry about with their collectives. It's basketball only. And financially, Iowa, compared to those programs, they're well behind. And on the football front, though, they're doing okay. I'm one of the better ones in the country, certainly top 15 from everything that I've heard. Basketball, that's not the case, and that's a part of that. Now, does Fran need to adapt? Does he need to change? Does he need to look at it in a different realm? I would argue, yes, that is the case. But that is where we are right now. Let's get into our big interview of the day. David Eichel from 24-7 Sports. Uh, Join me earlier on my radio program today. A lot of good nuggets here on the football front, on the basketball front. What is happening there? We'll get into that as we continue on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Well, if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best-tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me, want to have a healthier snack, get rid of that Easter candy. Yeah, it's still hanging around the Condon household. But you don't want to compromise on taste. I got the thing for you. Built Bars and their Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy, and they taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you don't even think they're good for you. What makes them so good? You start with chocolate. And great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar, all while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better, they're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box in the mail. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to the nearest Walmart today. Head over to the pharmacy section and get yourself a box of Built Bars. Right now at Walmart, how about a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or their coconut puff? And if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can get the big box, the 13-bar box of the hit flavors. Brownie, batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. David Eichold from 24-7 Sports here with us on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. 
Hello, David Eicholt. Uh, how are you? You're on vacation, yet the news never stops, does it? No, it does not. And I, I told Trent off the air, I don't know if the state's going to let me back in because it just <laughs> seems like good things develop whenever I'm gone. I was at the bachelor party back in February. Caitlin Clark hit the game winner, and <laughs> Iowa had that miraculous comeback against Michigan State. Uh, wow. So I was surprised I went back into Carver, and now obviously all this going on. So. I may have to buy a house in Dallas or something at this point. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, uh, let, let's get to the, I guess, uh, what, what's going on. And there's certainly a lot of news. I'll, I'll save the the basketball for Trent because he went crazy on his podcast <laughs> yesterday and he's ripping everybody. Oh, yeah. It happens. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, it's, it's happened to me a million times uh, that you get egg all over your face. But you, you bounce back and live to fight another <laughs> day, right. right? Let's talk about football and Boy, a glaring uh, omission when you look at that depth chart, a depth chart that we think is a pretty good, darn good football team is clearly uh, the wide receiver room. And here comes Caleb Brown, and he's in town, and he's Ohio State, and dot, dot, dot. Where are we going here? Any news, David? Yeah, so I think obviously that was a huge, huge development going on. So I started to hear rumblings of Caleb Brown potentially visiting Iowa on Tuesday afternoon, you know, Tuesday night. Had a couple of good sources on it, but I didn't really want to go public with it on our message board considering the gravity of it and how I think desperate people are to hear some positive recruiting news. And shout out to uh, my colleague, Alan Treu, for being able to confirm that Wednesday morning. But yeah, Caleb Brown, I mean, top 80 recruit in the 2022 recruiting class by 24-7 sport. Played very sparingly at Ohio State, understandably so, when you're stuck behind Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah. you know, yeah. uh, three first-round draft picks. But, uh, no, so he was on campus. He's going to leave this morning, this afternoon. Really enjoyed the visit from what I've been told early. Him and Cade McNamara got along very well. Awesome. Caleb Brown wants to stay close to home, so obviously Iowa has that going in its favor. And I think without a doubt, if he gets in the wide receiver room, he is the most talented wide receiver on that roster from day one. He wants to be the guy, and I think Iowa can offer it. So I, I held off on a crystal ball. I'm curious who else is going to try to get him on campus. I think he's going to take another couple of visits. But I, I think the, the, the traction is real at this point. I, I, I think Iowa has a chance in this recruitment. And uh, we're going to see how this plays out over the next, I think, four or five days. So Oklahoma, Texas A&M have reached out right away. He's only been in the portal a couple of days and yet makes a visit this quickly to Iowa. A lot of times you connect the dots there, and well, this has been something that has been percolating for a while as we remember back to Cade McNamara and how quickly that all came together. Any thought that that is the case, that this is something that behind the scenes has been in the works or a little more open-ended, and Iowa just made a lot of sense maybe more than anything because of proximity and how they recruited him out of high school? Yeah, you know, I think the latter. Iowa was very aggressive with him in high school, and Iowa had a lot of traction before the Blue Bloods came in. But mm. how many times have we heard that story before, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But he does have some connections to current Iowa players. I think he obviously had a good relationship with the Iowa staff. And again, you want to be close to home. And I think Caleb looks at that and says, look, there's so much opportunity in that wide receiver room. They have a capable quarterback. I think the offensive line is going to be better. And then you look at, you have two of three phases of the game that I think are championship level phases. I mean, you look at the special teams under Lamar Woods and I'm mm-hmm. done questioning Phil Parker. I think everybody <laughs> should stop questioning yeah. Phil Parker at yeah. this point with the consistency that he has. So I think Caleb, from an opportunity standpoint, the relationships, it made a lot of sense. So I don't think he was necessarily eyeballing Iowa. I think once Iowa reached out and he started to think of schools that would potentially make sense, I think Iowa, you know, made a lot of sense on that front. 
we're going to see what happens. Maybe Purdue gets in the situation, but I also don't know what to expect out of Purdue since Jeff Brom is no longer mm-hmm. a Boilermaker, the Boilermakers coach. Maybe Illinois reaches out with some of the traction they have. Maybe Northwestern does as well. But uh, I, again, based on what I know right now and given the priorities that Caleb is seeking and throughout his recruitment, I, I do think it makes a lot of sense. Continuing on that path, uh, A.J. Henning, the Michigan wide receiver, mm. he there was a tweet, and that's all it was, two days ago that he was committing to Northwestern. It was quickly deleted right afterwards. Northwestern was a team rumored when people thought he was entering the portal back in the winter that he was going to oh, end really? up. Where is Iowa on that recruitment? And at this point in time, you know, if they got a call from each of them, hey, we're ready to commit, who would they take between Caleb Brown and A.J. Henning? I think you have to take Caleb Brown, hands down. I mean, you look at I think he's got more eligibility. I think he's got more upside based on what we've seen just on film. Again, more eligibility. He's immediately number one. A.J. Henning, I mean, you look at throughout his Michigan career, I think he struggled catching some routine passes. I think that's been a big red flag, but it's a guy whose athleticism is off the charts. He can make some things happen in the open field. But yeah, you know, the guy who tweeted that he's basically, it's an account that got famous for scouring premium message boards, whether it be 24 seven rivals, et cetera, and tweeting out all of that. So that's not necessarily surprising. He did the same thing with us and Nick Jackson, and he tried to get us to give him credit, even though we reported that like a week before he actually tweeted out. But again, (laughs) I, I, those accounts are so prevalent nowadays. But with A.J. Henning, I think Iowa, I don't want to say they've closed the door on Henning, but I think they've backed off because I think they've really put the full court press on Caleb Brown because I don't know if Iowa wants to take two wide receivers. I think they're going to take one cornerback, and I think they're going to take one wide receiver. And Kirk's not the type of guy that, you know, I, I won't say has backup plans, but he's going to primarily recruit the top target. And once that falls through, they'll try to make up traction. We've seen that time and time again. So, I would say I think Henning is going to Northwestern. There's been nothing official. I think Illinois has a little bit of buzz around him as well. But it's important to remember with Henning, he was very heavily recruited by Notre Dame coming out of high school. And the wide, the guy who was recruiting him at Notre Dame is now the wide receiver coach at Northwestern. Okay. There's a mutual connection there, which is why people are speculating he might go to Northwestern. Great academic school. Henning's an outstanding student as well, and it's close to home. So. If he called one to commit, I don't think Iowa would say no, but I think they're actively pursuing Caleb Brown a lot more than A.J. Henning at this point. Make way for both of them if he wants to commit. So what about Caleb Brown timeline-wise, David? Any any speculation as to when he wants this to be behind him and announce where he's going to go to school? You know, I give Caleb Brown a lot of credit because he keeps a very close circle and it is hard to extract info. It's great for him, horrible for us. We're Mm -hmm. trying to get info, right? But I would say right now, based on what I have heard through the early stages of things, it would not surprise me if he committed to his next school by next week. I don't think this is a process that's going to play out over the course of three or four weeks. But again, if more offers come in, he realizes he wants to take more visits. Maybe that's the case. But knowing what I know about Caleb, talking to people about him, I think he has his priorities straight. I think proximity to home is a major factor, and he wants to be on the field. So, again, I'm not trying to overestimate Iowa's chances in this recruitment because I really don't know what you can sell from the Iowa wide receiver standpoint other than opportunity mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. But uh, I do think Iowa has a strong chance in it. But, again, if he committed to a school by next week, I think that's going to be realistic, maybe two weeks. But I really do not see this recruitment lingering on and on and on.
Iowa picks up another football recruit along the offensive line yesterday. Also, Bodie McCaslin makes his commitment, their second offensive lineman from Illinois, third overall in this class. Of course, there's Grant Bricks from over in the Council Bluffs area, one of the big prospects, uh, not just here in the state, but across the Midwest. Offensive line, they got three committed for the 2024 class. How many more are they looking to add? Yeah, so, yeah, as you mentioned, Bodie McCaslin committed over uh, to Iowa, over schools like Minnesota, Kansas, Kansas State, a lot more programs showing interest. Very, very nice player, I think, 6'6", 275. I also submitted a crystal ball this morning. There were a couple in already for Iowa to land offensive tackle Will Nolan out of Arlington Heights, Illinois, high three-star by us. I think that's going to be done sooner rather than later uh, if he chooses Iowa. But, again, my prediction to this point, is that's what it's going to be. So I, I think they're going to add five. I think four is going to be the early indication, but I think they're going to add five. And, you know, it's one of those things, Trent, where we can sit here and say, hey, they're going to have this number, this number, and this number at position. But given the transfer portal, given everything else, I really don't know if you can ever have a hard cap on who you're taking at certain positions because attrition, it, it's just a certainty at this point in the college athletics world. But with me reporting on it is one thing I can't imagine trying to you know, build a roster, manage a roster throughout the entire course of the season because it's going to continue to be unpredictable. But yeah, as you mentioned, Iowa's got three locked up right now, potentially four sometime in the near future. And I think Iowa's going to at least aim for five, but we're going to see what happens. Well, and uh, certainly with the, we want to see uh, some resolution when it comes to basketball. There's a kid, uh, Grant Nelson, who's got chances to go everywhere. Yeah. Kentucky is on. I mean, they're every all the big name schools. But now Iowa's involved, and he's certainly a need player in Grant Nelson from North Dakota State. What's the likelihood? Is it uh, is it a long shot at best he gets to Iowa City? Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, here's the, here's the thing, too. These transfer centers are in such big demand. And I think Iowa could sell a lot from a development standpoint. I think it's a lot of opportunity. But people need to realize, and this is something I've really learned over the past couple months, I really underestimated the value of basketball players on the NIL market. I mean, there are some major, major deals going on behind the scenes that I have heard. Uh, I don't have it completely solidified, so I don't want to share the numbers with you, but we're talking, I would say, in the very high six digits, low seven digits range of guys transferring to certain schools. And if you look at it right now, if he Jesus. wants to go get a paycheck, I don't know right now if Iowa has the uh, resources to be able to compete with that. And the other thing is, too, Grant Nelson probably wants to stay in the NBA draft. He's a very high ceiling player. I think any team in the country would be lucky to have him. I think he's going to be a tremendous player regardless of where he goes. Iowa has put their hat in the ring. Maybe money is not the most important thing in the world. And again, it's not like Iowa can't offer anything. But if you're telling me that Iowa has the same NIL resources right now for basketball as Kansas, Arkansas, Texas A&M, uh, Villanova, UConn even, I, I think we're kind of kidding ourselves here. Do you think, uh, and again, I know you don't want to go on record, but but Hunter Dickinson commits to, he's going to Kansas. Uh, Michigan uh, Michigan lost Kansas' gain, right? The, from the Big uh, 10 to the Big 12. Do you think he's a seven-figure type player? From what I've heard, he is getting a seven-figure deal. Isn't that wild? Good for him. Yes. Good for him. Iowa is not in that space. Is it? Is it a lack of funds or a lack of willingness to play that kind of game with Fran McCaffrey, where he wants it to be 
All my guys are going to make the same. We're not going to go out there and spend three times as much compared to what everybody else is getting. What's the bigger part of that scenario? You know, I, I think that's an interesting question. I think it's a fair question. And, you know, it's one of those things where I, I don't blame Fran for having that approach. I really don't. Because the one thing that Fran, I think, o- traditionally over the years during his tenure has been able to sell is he is ride or die for his guys, yes, right? Yes. He will back them up. He will do everything he can for them. He doesn't want to pay a transfer. Let's say last year, for example, right? Let's say Iowa gets Ben Cricky last year. They were not going to offer Ben Cricky more than they were going to offer Chris Murray because Chris Murray's been the program. He's proven it. And I think that's completely valid. Now, other programs, for example, are not going to be afraid to throw out some of those deals. Now, could it have a bad impact on the locker room at other schools? Potentially. So I think right now, I think it's a little bit of an issue of funding. Mm-hmm. But I would say funding is probably a bigger issue than guys getting the same across the board. I I just think that I think the Swarm's done a nice job of trying to boost it up. But when you look at some of these high-end blue blood schools, Trent, what are they doing? They have a basketball-only collective. Yeah. So 100% of the money is going toward that. And that's going to give them the advantage. And is Iowa having women's basketball also involved with that? That kind of hamstringing the dilute, men's program. Does it dilute the pools? Of yeah. Here's the thing with uh, the women's basketball team being included in the thing. I don't want to use the term hamstrung because the women's basketball team 100% deserves it. They do. I mean, you look at the crowd that they've brought, you look at the attention they brought to women's basketball. You have arguably, by at the end of next year, arguably the greatest, the best women's college basketball player to ever play the game in Caitlin Clark. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of programs in the country, most programs in the country do not have the women's basketball in the collective. But again, Iowa finds itself in a rare position where they could actually emerge as the top five program in college in women's college basketball so i don't want to use the term hamstrung for it because i think there's a little bit too much of a negative connotation with it because i do think that the women's team 100 percent deserves what they are getting from the swarm and honestly trent probably more based on all mm-hmm. that they've brought to iowa athletics mm-hmm. over the past couple of years I, I don't disagree with the words you just said by the way uh so let, let's uh, stay on that uh on this theme are they are they getting close to uh, uh to plucking somebody that uh, out of that portal is bluter um, you know, getting in, getting in living rooms or wherever they do it now. Uh, are they going to make an announcement soon as to an addition to the uh, women's program, Sonato's replacement or whatever? You know, I think that's the big, the big mystery right now, guys. I think they're still trying to figure out how they're going to play next year. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me at this point if they went after a playmaking guard, okay. maybe just maybe they replace maybe McKenna Warnock and maybe they throw Hannah Stolke at the five if she's ready to do that. Mm-hmm. And ask no Grady coming off the bench. I think Iowa's in a position right now where if they want to play small ball and live or die by the three, I think they're capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. If they want to use that last scholarship on playing a Monica Sonano replacement, I think that's a wise decision as well. But if Iowa goes small ball, I do think it's going to be a little bit risky because you look at the teams across the nation this year, South Carolina was undefeated. They played you know, heavily on the post players, LSU. Did the same thing, and LSU could arguably have the greatest women's team of all time next season because there's a lot of buzz right now that the Paul transfer Nisha Morrow Jesus. is going to go to LSU to join Haley Van Witt, to join Angel Reeves, to join Flage Johnson and Kim Mulkey. So I think if that <laughs> happens, it's going to be the equivalent of Space Jam where it's Caitlin Clark versus the Monstars at this point with LSU and the team that they have. Uh, sign me so, up to watch it, man, if that happens. And, yeah. you know, just let me interrupt you, David. Are, are we're starting to see some basketball scheduling trickle out. Don't we need to see that rematch early in the year? I mean, 
I know it's football in November, but boy, oh boy, LSU, Iowa, women's basketball, you got me. I think the, the conferences are going to try to sell it. I think whoever carries the game on the networks is going to try to sell it. I don't think Iowa will be enthusiastic about doing it mm. just because of all the post-game antics that mm-hmm. occurred after the national championship. Okay. Makes a whole but lot that's, of sense. Again, that's not anything I'm hearing. Yep. Yep. That's just, that's just my opinion on it. Yeah. It's not, it's not crazy. Yeah. And you, when you're making a non-conference games, a lot of times it's coaches that have respect. I don't know if that coach <laughs> in Baton Rouge has a whole lot of respect of uh, many people here yeah. in the state of Iowa. Hey, final thing, uh, full circle for you, back to the football side of things. Rhode Island transfer Antonio Carter. We know they're looking a wide receiver. They got one on campus right now. Also looking for a cornerback. What's the likelihood Carter, A, he's already taken a couple of visits, both SEC and Big Ten. He is scheduled a visit to Iowa. What's the likelihood that happens? Yeah, I think that's the big question mark right now. We talked to Antonio Carter's camp this morning. As of right now, the Iowa visit is still on, which would take place on May 10th through 11th, May 10th through 12th. But I think Wisconsin's leading for him right now. I'm not ready to put in a crystal ball prediction by any means, but I think Wisconsin's got the advantage over some of the SEC schools. I think if if he makes it to Iowa's campus, I feel decent about Iowa's potential chances. Again, I think Wisconsin's done a really, really good job with him. And I think you what Iowa's fear is that they don't land a cornerback out of the portal is exactly what happened in the Nebraska game last year once Cooper DeGene got knocked out. What happened? Mm-hmm. Trey Palmer, mm-hmm. touchdown. Trey Palmer, yep. long game. Iowa has a lot of talent in that room, and I think they'll have a lot of depth eventually, but they need the reps they need another year to really, really piece things together. Mm. David, stay in Dallas. Uh, a lot of news breaks <laughs> when you're gone. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Hey, thanks for doing this, David. We appreciate you interrupting your uh, vacation. Uh, it's such you're being away from the state. Uh, Take some time off, but uh, thanks for doing some time for us. Good, good to talk to you. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. David Eichholt uh, taking some time off. Trent Cotton, I'm back with you one final time here on Lockdown Hawkeye. So that was earlier today. And we just found out a moment ago, Caleb Brown is an Iowa Hawkeye. The commitment happened. Sean Bach from 24-7 Sports, HawkeyeInsider.com, reports that, yes, Iowa has broken down the door at the wide receiver room, and now their most talented wide receiver, yeah, he's making his way to Iowa City officially. One and done, one visit, and he is an Iowa Hawkeye. How huge is this news? We will continue to break it down as we only do right here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. A whole lot more coming up for you every day or tomorrow on the feed. We will break things down. What a coup. Portal Kirk. He strikes again. Ooh, baby. This is an exciting one. We'll talk about that tomorrow on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Thanks for joining us here today.